Iowa. The Iowa women defeating Northwestern 82-71 in Indianapolis. The Hawks will face the Michigan-Nebraska winner, which, of course, is the game just about set to tip off on BTN. Um, that, of course, will be a semis game, a semifinal game for the Big Ten tournament, so Saturday evening. And um, this is the first of, uh, hopefully, future Iowa women uh, women's basketball postgame shows. And uh, going to try to get you as much postseason coverage as possible. Had some requests for Iowa women uh, women's coverage. And, uh, you know, if we can get a, an audience, I'd be happy to continue this. Although uh, no postgame show tomorrow night, no live show tomorrow night due to a scheduling conflict. But uh, again, Iowa with a, with a good win over a team that knows how to play defense, certainly challenged Iowa um, during the regular season. Uh, that's a gritty team, and Iowa got it done. Um, and uh, right now it looks like they're, they're, pretty, they're in pretty good shape for that top 16 position. Um, Kells Bells. Good to see your uh, your name here. Who do we want to tomorrow? Huskers, I assume. Absolutely. I, I do not want to see Naz Hillman and the uh, Wolverines again, although Iowa certainly had Michigan's number um, this past game. But uh, no no question about it. Uh, I'd much rather play. I'd much rather play Nebraska for a, for a chance of the championship round. But I like Iowa's chances against whoever. Um, you know, I thought Iowa started slow tonight. You know, if you look at Caitlin Clark's numbers, I mean, typical production from the best, what I believe to be the best player in Iowa women's basketball history. One of the best players in Iowa history, um, regardless of gender. Caitlin Clark, 19 points, 11 boards, six assists, and seven turnovers for Caitlin Clark. And you could call that almost an off night. I mean, Monica Stanano stepped up in a big way, 21 points and seven boards um, for the senior who will be a super senior next year. Kate Martin, how about Kate Martin today? putting up almost Caitlin Clark-esque numbers with 15 points, six assists, and five boards. And again, Iowa just did what they needed to do. Um, I thought Iowa played clean basketball for the most part. You take away those seven turnovers from Caitlin Clark. And again, you're going to get some turnovers from, from Caitlin. Uh, Iowa had just six as a team if you take away the seven. I know you can't play that game, but for the sake of this discussion, uh, we can. Uh, good to see you here at The Real Hayden. He says... Uh, Ah uh, snap! We get a, a stream for the women too. I love it. I know you're a hardworking man. Well, I don't know about this. I don't wouldn't call this work, Hayden. This is I enjoy doing this. So, but I appreciate you hopping on here this evening as well. And Kells Bells, Kelly from Bettendorf. Thank you for for tuning in, Kelly. And uh, appreciate uh, appreciate the audience here. We've got 15 people on here so far. Please share the show on social media if you have not already done so. Perhaps you've never watched our show uh, with coach Gary close that we do for the men's team. Um, we will have uh, coach close on Sunday night following the Iowa men and their regular season finale against Illinois. But if you have not already done so, please share this show on social media. Please subscribe right here from the Hawkeye of the storm for continued coverage. And um, right now, again, we don't know uh, the result between Nebraska and Michigan but if I'm Iowa, I'm liking the draw right now. Um, I would rather play – I would certainly rather play uh, Michigan than I would Ohio State, uh, probably, or Indiana, because I know, you know, there is this thing about beating a team three times. And Iowa, you know, swept Indiana, who's been one of the best teams, not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. That's not a team, if I'm Iowa, I want to face a third time. Now, they may have to in the championship round. There's no question about that. They're going to have to probably going to have to face either Maryland, Indiana, or Ohio State. I'd be surprised to see Michigan State make it out of that region 
um, all the way to the to the finals. But um, right now, Iowa's riding high, and uh, boy, the men and the women coming on strong at the right time. Drill MVP, boy, you don't stop, brother. You talk about me not stopping. This guy's on here every single night. Good to see you, buddy. Glad you're doing a women's show. Well, I'm glad I'm doing a women's show here as well. Ari Gold, go Hawks. Um, Kells Bells, uh, Kelly says Kate hit her hard or her head pretty hard. She seemed okay, right? Um, you hope so. It's a short turnaround. Um, you know, certainly, I, I don't want to assume potential concussion. Um, for Kate Martin, uh, because boy, again, she was spectacular. If they can get that kind of production, from Kate Martin through the postseason, Iowa can win a lot of games in March. But my guess is that she's probably okay. I, I, again, I'm not a doctor. It didn't seem like a, a hit that uh, I did notice the hit, but it didn't seem like a hit that probably was going to keep her out. But again, concussions can be weird. And with a short turnaround tomorrow, I'm sure the protocol will be there just in case. But hopefully, she's okay. And I'm sure we'll hear from Lisa Bluter. Um, following the game, we, she may have already commented on it and I've just missed it, but, uh, they need Kate Martin. They need Kate Martin in a big, big way. Um, of course, between Sharon Goodman, I mean, you just kind of list, they've had the injuries and difficulties all year staying healthy. They, uh, cannot afford to lose their third best player. And I believe that to be probably Kate Martin right now. Um, McKenna Warnock has been good now that she's back healthy, but uh, they need Kate. Good to see you here, Mike, as well. And the real Hayden, you're absolutely right. Kate Martin is the glue of this team. I want to open up the call line here. So uh, not sure if we're going to get any calls this evening, but I'll make that available to everybody. If you want to give us a call, 515-635-1601. 515-635-1601. If you want to call in and talk about Iowa women's basketball, which, uh, boy, it's great to be a Hawkeye once again. Isn't it incredible? And we can talk about this. I'm, I'm sure we've discussed this in brief with Coach Close. but just reflect for a moment as we uh, get set for our first call here. Let's just reflect for a moment on the fact that Iowa has produced four of the greatest basketball players in the history of the men, men's and women's programs between Luca Garza, Keegan Murray, Megan Gustafson, and now Caitlin Clark. Um, I, I think it's, it's just going to be a, it's going to be a sad time when all these players move on. Now we got Caitlin for a few more years which is going to be incredibly special. But uh, it's easy to take stretches like this for granted because they have almost become the norm over the past five or six years. They have almost become the norm. And that's a, that's almost a scary thought because uh, it is not guaranteed, but, but huge credit goes to to, uh, Lisa Bluter and Fran McCaffrey, not only for how these guys have developed, how these women have developed, but specifically how they've come on late this year. Um, we're not seeing a Fran fade as some people like to call it. There is no Fran fade. That's completely a hoax. Um, it's just good to see both these teams coming on at the right time. Let's take our first call here. Thank you for calling from the Hawkeye of the storm. Who's on the line. Corey, it's the real MVP. So again, this is not the fake MVP. This is the real MVP. So I want to know what you're going to offer to this. Did you watch the Iowa game? You can't, you, there's no way you watch the Iowa women. I'm not trying to call you out as a Kentucky fan, but did you just watch Iowa Northwestern, sir? I watched, I was flipping between Iowa, Northwestern, Miami, Louisville, and I'm currently watching Kentucky LSU. Kentucky LSU, is that men or women? Women. Okay, cool. Well, uh, what did you think of the the Hawks tonight? Well, um, I'm going to do a general theme for all three games I noticed, and that is that the team that played last yesterday did really well for at least a half against teams today. 
And I think that happened in the Iowa game. I think it's hard to come out of the gate strong against a team who's already had a warm-up game. You're right. It, it was uh, Honestly, if you're Iowa in this game, you just got to avoid a bad loss, and, and that's what they did. I mean, it's not going to be a terrible loss as far as seeding in the NCAA tournament, but it will hurt you as it relates to having home court, which is such a different concept with women's basketball. Being a top 16 seed is so important now. And uh, I'm curious from you, you're a, you're a basketball guru, sir. What are your thoughts on the women having the setup with the top 16 teams getting a a home court? I love it. Listen, I'm a fan. I go to women's games every now and then. I love it. Anything to, because the women's sport isn't as big as the men's sport. So anything to revive fan interest is a good idea. And I think it rewards excellency. I agree. And the the only issue I have with it is in terms of the brackets over the years, the balancing doesn't take priority. It's the home court advantage because some of the brackets over the years are so much harder than some of the other brackets, like or regions, I should say. Some of the regions are harder than the other regions. So if they could balance it a bit, that would be nice because based on location, I think this year, like South Carolina, Yukon, and um, Tennessee were all in the same region at some point. I mean, that's What's, what, three top 10 teams? Well, let me ask you, how does it feel that you're going to have a new champion in the Big 12 and women's side? Well, here's the deal. Here's what I'll say about the Big 12. Um, you know, or Big Baylor, 10, excuse me. Oh, you're talking about the Big 10 Big now. 10. Yeah, so I meant Big Ten because Maryland lost. They were the Maryland two-time lost. defending champions in, well, Maryland, in women's basketball. I think it's fair to say Maryland's down this year. Can we agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Maryland is down. They've been such a force. And this is the first year where I feel like Iowa can play with anybody in the Big Ten. I mean, even even the the final year of Megan Gustafson's career, I felt like Iowa really, when they faced off against Maryland, they were overmatched. Um, and just the athletic and physical advantages that Maryland had. I don't think they had that this year. And although Iowa did lose at home to Maryland, um, you know, now they won't have to pay, play Maryland uh, unless it shows up in the in the uh, the big dance. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm feeling pretty good right now because you got Indiana, who Iowa's beaten twice. I do think it's hard to beat a team three times. Um, you've got, uh, you know, either Nebraska – uh, or Michigan, Iowa, of course, just stomped Michigan here a few days ago. Um, you know, in Ohio State, that that's going to be that's probably the the my least favorite team to play. I'd probably least rather play Ohio State at this point. But if Kaylin Clark has a game like she did against Michigan, or a game like she did against well Michigan the first time, um, this team can beat anybody. That's how good. Because honestly, and I don't mean to to downplay Kate Martin or Monica Sinano. But we need to understand that this team is very, very reliant. I think we realize that this team is extremely reliant on on Caitlin uh, Clark's health. If she can stay healthy, this team can go pretty far because I think she can carry him. I think she's got heavy shoulders. She can carry him a long ways. And if she goes down with an injury or something, I, I think the, the ceiling drops significantly. And I think this is a a good team without Caitlin Clark, but it is by no means a great team. And, and that's not an insult to anybody else on the team. That's just a compliment to how um, influential and on basketball that Caitlin Clark is. She, she is something special. And again, just appreciate her while we got her. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, my cats have a similar situation to that. We've got the number two player in the in the WNBA draft, and she's really good. She had 27 points against Mississippi State. She had 32 against Florida. Obviously, she's been carrying this team, and she's dominated tonight against the number 16 team in the L- in the LSU Tiger, and we're up 70 to 58. So, you know, it's been a good it's been a good few weeks for me, with the men doing well, the women doing well. Louisville, I know this is an Iowa show, but Louisville lost tonight. That'll impact seeding. Yeah, you're right. And, and for anybody wondering about Kate Martin, so Ray says that. Uh, he was just listening to the post-game show with, I'm assuming, Lisa Bluter, and she said that Kate Martin's okay. So that's good news um, because, again, they, they need her. They, again, they've just lost so much with injury this year. Um, if I recall, the first matchup against Northwestern Iowa was really dealing with COVID because you got to remember Iowa was, was also on a COVID pause. They had games canceled because other teams had COVID earlier in the, in the season. It's really been a resilient bunch to be able to to continue to climb back up on that horse, and uh, yeah, I give credit to uh, Lisa Bluter. She well, and and that whole staff—they're just tremendous. They're um, they're stable. They're they're a consistently um, con- consistently consistent staff. I mean, they're they're always competitive now, and uh, like I say, appreciate it. Well, I mean, I would like to go into Kate Martin a bit more because in the first half, she was MIA. She had zero points. She didn't even really attempt a shot. I think she went had two field goal attempts. But in the second half, she went five for five and had 15 points. I mean, I think, I think, that, this, that, I think Kate Martin's in for a big jump next year. I think we've seen, we've seen spurts of that from Kate. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a big jump from her next year. Now, if Kate Martin were not, I'm not saying she's, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying she's Caitlin Clark, um, but I think if if she were on a team without Caitlin, I think she'd have a much bigger role, and that almost goes without saying. I think she's that good, and um, I, I can see her taking a huge jump next year, and this team being better next year, especially with Sonano coming back. Well, Corey, the, the thing I'll ask you is, last year in the tournament. With the women's tournament, yeah, you ran it. You all ran it to a juggernaut in UConn. Are you worried about like a good overall team being able to take the hits from Caitlin Clark and just being overall consistent and beating Iowa? Because that's what got them last year in the tournament. Yeah, I mean, who was it that? Uh really caused Iowa problems. Was it Northwestern the first time around? Who was it, the, the real long team that uh, caused Clark problems? I mean, she turned the ball over seven times tonight. Teams that are long and really athletic are going to give Caitlin Clark problems. Now, she's 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 a great basketball player, so she's going to figure out a way to get hers. But if you force seven, eight turnovers out of Caitlin Clark, I don't want to say that neutralizes her, but you're right. I think an athletic team, a long team, could certainly give them problems. So you want to avoid the Yukons, the South Carolinas, the, I still think Baylor is going to be a team that's a, a final four contender. You got to avoid those teams because um, though I think Caitlin Clark is going to get hers no matter who she plays, but she is your first, second and third weapon on this team. And uh, matchups are huge. You know, this, the real MVP, you know, this oh. from the men's game, the women's game Ma- matchups are huge in the big dance. Let's hope Iowa gets a somewhat favorable matchup. Um, I am not a huge expert on Iowa women's basketball or just women's basketball in general. So I can't tell you, you know, after the, the top few, I mean, I'd really have to study, 
um, you know, the two seeds and the three seeds to tell you who I'd prefer Iowa match up against in the Sweet 16. Um, but you're right. The UConn game is a perfect example of a team that just too much firepower, too much athleticism. Paige Bukers is great, but that whole team is is stacked as they are every single year. And well, the final thing, I'm not sure if you've seen the seeding for the women's, but Iowa's currently a four seed. Do you think if they win the Big Ten tournament, do you think they can move up to a three seed? If they win the Big Ten tournament? Yes. Well, that could include a win versus Michigan and a win versus Ohio State. Yeah, absolutely. I think it helps the fact that Michigan it doesn't help the it doesn't help Iowa's cause that Michigan State lost. Um I mean, you know, the Maryland loss, again, Indiana, Maryland, what a quarterfinal matchup that is. But it yeah. doesn't help Iowa's cause in having Michigan State lose because you'd prefer to play them. I think you have a better chance of beating Michigan State in the championship game. But now that you've got potentially three heavyweights that Iowa will have to go through, you have to go through two of the three, assuming Maryland win, or excuse me, I keep saying Maryland, Michigan wins tonight. Assuming they win tonight, Iowa's going to get either Ohio State, Indiana. I think you win two those two games. I, I Again, I'm not as up on bracketology for the women. Um, certainly going to start following it more this week. Um, now that we're in postseason play officially. But I think if you get those two wins, I think Iowa's got a good chance of not only being, I think they're going to be a comfortable top six, 16 seed. You could potentially move into the top 12. Yeah. Well, of course, the only advice I'll give you and we're, as general is South Carolina is probably going to win the tournament. So and just, they're good. They're, yeah. yeah, they're that good. And they probably, they're the, the UConn of this year. And they probably have the best player in the country. As much as I love Caitlin Clark, um, that that would be a matchup I'd love to see, but I'd hate to see at the same time because talk about star power. Um, I think you're right. I think South Carolina is my, probably the best team in the country right now. I think a, a healthy Paige Bukers. Now she is back. Am I correct in saying that? Yeah, but South Carolina already beat UConn with Paige Bukers yeah. earlier this year, uh, and it wasn't even. It was a ten point. It was like double digit victory in a neutral side game. They're just yeah. The only team that's given them any – well, they lost to Missouri, which I don't understand that. But the only team that gave them a close game was Stanford. But they were up like 23 points, and they blew the lead to lose by like four points. So, By the way, Darrell MVP, before I let you go, I want to make you aware you have been pining for a men's bracketology show, correct? Yes, I have been lobbying. You have been lobbying for it. So uh, I am currently in talks to make that happen. I believe that's going to be happening Monday evening. Okay. I think it's going to be happening Monday evening. Um, and I am currently working on a guest for that show. So just uh, just uh, stay stay tuned into uh, to Twitter because I'll, I'll announce it on Twitter and we'll we'll get a we'll get a uh, a show created for YouTube. But uh, yeah. Likely to be a bracketology show definitely this next week, probably Monday night. So I, I'm that's so great to hear. Whatever you uh, whatever you post, I I don't tweet on Twitter, but I have a Twitter just to like your stuff, Mark Rogers stuff, and some other stuff on there well, to promote I, you guys. I appreciate that, sir. Yeah, no Very problem. I can't that. wait to talk about all the teams that are deemed irrelevant, like Bellarmine, Memphis, Houston, Murray State. What the heck is Bell? Is Bellerman going to be in the tournament? Probably. Is, is, are, wait, what conference is Bellerman in? I didn't. I, I guess I knew they were. Are they Division One? The now? Atlantic Sun. 
Yeah, they moved up. They moved up. Was it last year? Yeah. Bellerman is Division One. Okay. Hey, you know, there's uh, four. I think four teams that have won 25 plus games in the last four years. They're Gonzaga, Duke, Kansas, and Bellerman. Well, Bellerman. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember Bellerman. They're good. I remember. Like, let me just. And I want to go on a rant about Iowa real quick because I know we got people who want to talk women's women's basketball. But let me tell you a quick story or something that I remember about Bellerman. And that was in 2019, prior to the Iowa-Tennessee game. I don't know if you remember that game, Drill MVP, but that was a game where Iowa lost in overtime following a frantic comeback. I think Iowa was down, what, 23 points, 21 points in that game against Tennessee. Iowa comes back, loses in overtime. But prior to that game, Rick Barnes, head coach for Tennessee, had stated that Iowa had reminded him of Bellerman. And he said it almost as a compliment, but... To me, it was a complete insult, you know, comparing Iowa to, to a Division II team. And that's the only thing I know about Bellerman. I, I didn't even know they oh. were Division I now. Oh, Corey, the, his, the Bellerman, Bellerman is so fascinating. They are the triple offense of college basketball. I, I've heard great things. I've heard great things. I, I guess I'll have to start following them now that they're Division I. And I knew they were, like I said, they were really respected at, at their. Were they? I'm assuming they didn't go from Division three to Division one. They were Division two prior, correct? Oh yeah, they dominated. They were the North Dakota State of Division two basketball. Now, where was uh, where was Augustana? Because Augustana was dominant. Was they were they Division two as well? I do not know about them. Because Iowa lost to, to Augustana a few years ago in an exhibition game. Is that the Canadian team that always dominates? Uh, there's a Canadian team. Is it Augustana? Is it Augustana, South Dakota? I think Augustana, South Dakota. Okay. I'm sorry for for okay, going off on a tangent on this, but um, yeah, let's talk more about this Monday during MVP. I promise we'll talk about it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for doing it for me, Corey. All right, sir. Appreciate the call. Have a great night. Yeah, no problem. Congrats, man. Thanks, man. Always appreciate Drill MVP giving us a call. Kelly says. And I just say I can't stand 23 for Michigan. Who's 23 for Michigan? I don't remember the numbers. Let me pull up Michigan real quick here so I can know who you're talking about. By the way, anybody wants an early update on that score, perhaps you're watching them. But Nebraska actually leading Michigan. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Huskers win. Hus- Nebraska's a dangerous team. You know, 23 and 7, kind of flying under the radar. Um, who's 23? Because I know Hillman is zero. Uh, maybe somebody can tell us in the chat. Emily Kaiser's 33. Maddie Nolan is three. Oh, Danielle Rauch. What's wrong with Danielle Rauch? I don't know what's wrong with Danielle Rauch. Explain. She was trying to force too many pat. I don't know. I think you're talking about Clark there. Tell me what's wrong with, uh, with Danielle Rauch. I, I never had a problem watching her before. Um, Jermaine Jackson says, uh, Rouch, I can't stand her either. Tell us why. I want to know why. Darrell MVP is a rambling man. Uh, he's a, he is a college basketball lover. Give it, you know, cut him, a, cut him some slack, Skylar. He is a college basketball lover. Appreciate, uh, Darrell MVP, uh, giving us a call. And I will be doing a show Monday night, real Hayden, Iowa bracketology. We're not going to focus just on Iowa. I promise we're going to talk about the entire bracket. I am by no means a bracketologist. So like I said, I'm working on getting a, a guest on who um, is the expert. You know, I can be the talking head and, um, 
yeah, we, we can have the uh, we can have the experts break down the entire the entire bracket. Um. Okay, I I, I don't remember this, Kelly, but I, I understand why you're not a fan of her. Um, Tipsy, I just hope it goes to double overtime. I'm assuming you're talking the Michigan Nebraska game. And again, right now it's 13-7, still early in the first quarter. Um, Ari Gold says, last time the Hawks team made the Final Four was 1993. And that's more recent than the men. I, of course, Iowa hasn't been to, Iowa men haven't been to a Sweet 16 since 99. Just settles. Gary Close, those guys, can you believe that? It's been 24 years since the Iowa, 23 years since the Iowa men have been to a Sweet 16. So, uh, yeah, I think there's more. Pre- Let's be honest. I think that's a good topic. What's Where is there more pressure between these two teams, the Iowa women or the Iowa men? That's a, an intriguing topic. I think you could debate that back and forth because, of course, the women coming into this year with much higher expectations. I think I don't even remember their pre they preseason top 10. Pretty close, I think. Maybe maybe top 15. Of course, they lost Sharon Goodman before the season started. Um the men, you know, on the other hand, were not projected to be a top 25 team, not projected to really, by a lot of people, not projected to be a tournament team. And yet now perhaps the, is, is there more pressure on Iowa because Fran has never won more than one game in the Big Ten tournament? Um, is there more pressure on the women, though, because they were there was more hype preseason? I think you can uh, I think you can make the argument both ways. Kelly says that she thinks it's on the women because of expectations. And I don't have a problem with with that viewpoint. Um Again, it helps, you know, the, the the setup with the women right now, being able to get hot at the right time and being able to potentially host and play a couple games in Iowa City. I mean, that is such a huge advantage. And I'm not saying they don't deserve it. They don't earn it. There's absolutely no question that they earn it. Um, but, you know, the men, it's so predicated on region. Um, and I guess it's even more predicated in the women's game. But if Iowa ends up getting, I'm talking about the men now, if they get in, in a, you know, in Milwaukee or Buffalo, there's a big difference between those two places um, or, you know, Portland. Um, I, I think Milwaukee's really drill MVP could probably tell us this without me looking it up. I think Milwaukee's for the men is, is probably the closest. I don't know if there is a, a closer or even, even close to being as, as uh, short a drive as Milwaukee on the, on the schedule for the men. It'll be more pressure next year returning all starters. Yeah, with, with Monica Sinano coming back, I'll tell you this. If Ke- if Keegan Murray shocks the world and comes back to Iowa, there will be just as much pressure on the men. If I, and I've said this before. I haven't gone in. Keegan Murray returns for Iowa, which I don't believe is going to happen. But if that were to occur, if Iowa can go out and get an elite three-point shooter, and, and those are not easy to come by in the portal. But if they can do that, because I don't know that Josh Dix is going to be ready to play for the men, but if they can do that, I think the men have an opportunity to be an elite eight caliber team next year, maybe better if Keegan comes back and they can get a three point shooter. And that's those are two big ifs, two huge ifs. I also think they could use some development from a Gundelay or from Mulvey. They need somebody inside other than Rebracha. Um, that way, you know, Chris Murray isn't playing out of position, especially if Keegan moves on. They need Chris Murray to be able to play at the four, maybe even the three at times because of his shooting prowess. Um, so, but I digress. I know the real Hayden, Sharon Goodman coming back next year as well. So yeah, think about, um, I, I mean, yeah, Grady and, and um, Sharon Goodman. Uh, and then of course, Sonano, it's going to be a three headed monster inside. And 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's the great thing about women's college basketball. And one of the things that, that frustrates me about the men is that as much as I love college basketball and men's college basketball, um, with so many one and dones now and Keegan Murray, I mean, I don't blame him for going pro early. If he leaves after this year, it's, it's well-deserved. He went down and played Academy ball in Florida prior to coming to Iowa. Um, but you can't, it's hard to turn down millions of dollars as a, what, 19, 20 year old, but he's also a year. I think he's what, 20, maybe 21 now. Cause he had that extra reclassified and he's played two years. I think he's at least 20, 21 now. Um, but that's the frustrating thing about the men, the women's game. I mean, Caitlin Clark should be able to, and she'll make, I mean, I think, I think it's safe to say barring some freak, uh, you know, um, unexpected event. Caitlin Clark is going to be a really good pro for years to come. I think she's going to influence basketball. I think she already has, um, and, which is fantastic, by the way, for an Iowa girl to be able to do that. Um, but for the record, I do believe, I do believe that Caitlin Clark will be here the length of her career because there just isn't the market for women to go pro early. And that's unfortunate. That, that's unfortunate, but uh, the market is dictated by the market. Right. And, uh, that's just uh, that's just the unfortunate fact. But the good news is, is Iowa fans will get to see her for likely a, a few more years. I don't think she's going anywhere. There's no way. She, I, don't, I, I don't see any way she transfers. Um, it, it will be great to have her for years to come. All right. I want to run through the stats one more time here. Again, to kind of recap things, Monica Sinano with 21 points, leading all Iowa scorers with 21 points, seven boards. Caitlin Clark with 19 points, 11 rebounds. Six assists. She did have uh, seven turns, and you're going to live with those. You definitely don't want more turnovers and assists. That's not going to be a great number. But again, Northwestern is up in your grill. Uh, that's a good defensive team that I would just beat, and they found a way to get it done. Kate Martin with 15 big points, big second half for Kate. Six assists, five boards. Those. That's some really, again, if she can come on this strong late in the season, it's going to be tough. And, you know, again, I think that the kryptonite for this team is going up against a real physical in your face team. That That's going to be, that that's going to be what it is. Um, you know, Baylor a couple of years ago was a perfect example. Maryland in past seasons was, a you know, have been perfect examples. I was impressed by how Iowa handled Michigan, but Michigan is not physically what I see from likes of a Baylor year in and year out. And that's the one caveat here. Um, I think Iowa would have a better chance against a UConn than they would probably a Baylor or even a, a South Carolina. I know UConn's great, but just, again, the, the, the physical makeups. And I know that UConn's athletic as well, um, but uh, there's no question about it. I'd much rather play a team that plays like Iowa and, and go up and down the court. Um, again, Iowa defensively, you know, kind of like the men, they're, they're hit and miss at times, um, but I think they do enough. Again, it's, it's going to come down to, can Caitlin Clark stay healthy? If she stays healthy, Iowa has a great chance of, of making another Sweet 16, perhaps further. Um, but that's, uh, you know, it's it's it's, it's a, a freak sport and things happen and uh, certainly hope they don't in March. Uh, DR says, even talked about a COVID year, so Clark could be here for five. Absolutely. Wouldn't that be great? And there's no question about it. I see Tipsy commenting here on the NIL. This is absolutely something I... I love about NIL. So you see her now, Caitlin Clark has got a deal with High V. Um, great to see her in those ads. She is the epitome of someone who deserves to be making money in college, right? I mean, that's just, now I don't know. I, I really don't know Caitlin's. I don't think Caitlin comes from a, 
I, I shouldn't say this dogmatically, but I don't think she comes from real unfortunate circumstances. I think she, she, she was blessed in life financially to a degree. I don't know how, to what degree. Um, but I guess my point is, despite that, she is working her tail off right now. She's become a national story. She should be able to get, and I think she will, she'll get the NIL deals, not just from the likes of Midwest uh, brands like hy V. She is becoming known all over the country and probably going to be all over the world because of how she plays. And that's great. And she should be able to profit from it and stay here as long as she wants. And that's the great thing about NIL. There's a lot of things I don't like about NIL, but I think it's great, especially for, for women's college basketball. It's unfortunate because you have, and I've talked about with this very subject with Mark Rogers over the football channel. You've got football teams using this, using NIL as a recruiting tactic. And I think it's unfortunate and we should have seen it coming. And I think a lot of people did. The problem is there was no way to stop it. And the NCAA is so outdated in how they think. And so one dimensional in how they think that they, they back themselves into a corner where they have one choice and there's really no, uh, there's really no way to regulate it anymore. It's unfortunate. And I know those things have taken place behind the scenes and underneath the table, but, um, Again, I like it for women's college basketball. It's a great, and all the other sports. If you can be what Caitlin Clark has been, if you can mean that to your your city, your your uh, region, to your sport, you absolutely should be able to profit on it. I have no problem with it whatsoever. Jakob22 with a football question. When does spring practice start? About two weeks, right? Was it the 21st? Somewhere, somewhere in there. Um, yeah. Two two and a half weeks or so, Yakov. So we'll get a we'll get a good feel of this offense, and we'll see what uh, what what the running backs look like. We'll see how Brian Ferentz is leading the the quarterback room. We'll see if uh, Iowa retains its quarterback room. It's all all very interesting storylines. Kelly says that uh, Caitlin Clark's going to bring a national title to Iowa City. Wouldn't that be something? And let's give uh, Lisa Bluter a lot of credit. She's done a, a really nice job of recruiting. And if you had Sharon Goodman this year, I, the ceiling would be higher. She she is. Again, I'm not saying that that they've not done well inside. Certainly, Sonano has anchored that. But Sharon Goodman knows how to ball. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing her back next year with Sonano. And I think we're going to see a lot more. I don't want to say Twin Towers, but we're going to see some some uh, serious play inside. I mean, I think Iowa's going to deploy multiple uh, bigs. And um, it's going to cause some mismatch problems. They, they can't really do that this year because they need both of their bigs to be fresh. And I think with three next year, I think they'll have an opportunity to create mismatches. Yeah. Scoring records are probably never going to be touched from Ari gold. Um, Jakob 22 has a question here. You see many ISU athletes doing commercials and endorsements and aims. No, I did see, um, I know that was, that was after he left. So um, Montgomery, right. Running back for the Bears, he uh, he did a show here. He did a, a, a commercial for Ames Ford, but that was after he moved on. I don't, and I'm probably just not in the loop, but I don't recall off the top of my head any nil uh, activity. And I'm sure it's out there, but like the Ames market, and I'm sure Iowa City is somewhat similar. I think Iowa City probably is a bit more friendly to the nil world now, but like the Ames market. I question how productive it is. And that's the other unfortunate thing about NIL. You're just, if there's players who are concerned 
what did I say? Did I say Alex Montgomery? David Montgomery. What in the, who is Alex Montgomery? Somebody tell me who Alex Montgomery is. <laughs> Somebody tell me who Alex Montgomery, that's someone, right? Who is Alex Montgomery? Alex Montgomery. I'm looking this up now. The heck is it? Okay, retired WNBA player for the uh, Chicago Sky. Was I thinking of her? Why did I say Alex? I don't know what's going on. Um, I had uh, two really nice plates of spaghetti today, and and I think the last time I struggled on this show, I had had a bunch of uh, carbs. So maybe carbs just don't do my mind well. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, O'Grady and Goodman um, in there together. There's no reason why they can't. One of them can't play the four. I think it's. A, I think it's a great storyline. And yes, Caitlin Clark's brother does play for for Iowa State. I don't know if he. I'm assuming he's still there. Um, but no, I, I just don't see much activity there. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's happening, but uh, I, I just don't see it much. I don't watch cable television really either, besides sports. Um, so you know, we're Netflix. We stream a lot. So uh, I'm sure there's local advertisers. I don't know anything in the local paper. Um, you know, I just. I just don't know. Um, I don't know any partnerships. Like I know like the paper in Cedar Rapids, they have a partnership with Connor and, and Patrick McCaffrey for a podcast. And I'm sure, I don't know how much the Gazette pays them, but I don't see that with our local paper here in Ames. I don't see it. I really, I just haven't heard of it very much. And again, I just don't know that the, the market is there. Durrell MVP hit the nail on the head. Um, Corey is struggling with, with words tonight. <laughs> Corey is struggling with words. That's pretty bad. Let, let me just address this for a second. I, I think we can admit that it's probably not a good thing when you have a talk show host. That's what I am, I guess. A talk show host struggling with words. If, if a talk show host is struggling with talking, that is probably not a good thing. Can we all agree on that? Can we all agree that, that uh, struggling with words as a talk show host is a bad thing. Um, the real Hayden says, I would think due to proximity to Des Moines, that Ames would be more friendly to NIL. Yeah. I just, I just don't know. I mean, you got to remember this, the real Hayden, you got to remember like outside of Ames, the majority of this state is pro Iowa, not Iowa state. Like Ames is like the only community. And I don't have this, any official stats to back this up, but like you go 10 miles East to Nevada or 10 miles West to Boone. I think it's safe to say the majority of people are Hawkeye fans. And so Iowa State, it's it's I think it's tough. I think Iowa State's a tougher sell than Iowa. Um you could argue Iowa's a tough sell. Um, you know, it was a tough sell already before NIL. I just don't think there's a lot, I don't think there's a lot a huge market out there. Um Kevin says you're emotionally damaged after the football announcement. Um, I don't know about emotionally damaged. I had somebody rip me on. I've had oh, I had a lot of people rip me. I had a lot of people rip me for. So this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a poll, and it might be tonight. It might be tomorrow. I'm gonna make a poll on this channel and on Twitter. So if you're not following me on Twitter, follow me on Twitter. Okay, this is gonna be. This has to do with football. Okay, this has to do with football. But I'm gonna make a poll, and what it's going to be is it's going to ask your opinion on the change to make Brian Ferentz the quarterback's coach. And I just want to hear everybody's opinions because I've gotten ripped by, I mean, tons of people. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, 
count them how many there are, but a lot of people do not agree with me, vehemently disagree with the fact that I said that it's ridiculous that Brian Ferentz was hired as the, the quarterback's coach. And I'm not normally as strong on opinions like that as I am with the situation with Brian Ferentz. But I would love to get people's opinions. Was that a good move? Does that make you happy? Are you favorable towards that move? I am not, and I've been very outspoken about that, but there are some people who are really, really um, happy about it. And I, I don't, I, I think it's the people who are just going to be loyal, loyal till the grave. And that's okay. If you want to be loyal, if you feel like you're being diso- disloyal to Kirk Ferentz by being critical, that's fine. You can be loyal through thick and thin. That's fine. But I, I'm just, I'm going to tell it like it is. And I think, uh, I think it's ridiculous that Brian Ferentz is the quarterback's coach. My opinion. Kelly's not happy with it. Uh, Daryl Hayden says he's uh, he's damaged as well. So, yeah, I, I again, I appreciate uh, everybody um, this evening. Daryl MVP, this is the last – we'll get to the last comment here. If I didn't get your comment uh, – I apologize. Drill MVP says, I did some research on NIL, very basic research, but I found that Barstool Sports has done the most NIL deals with 7,447, oh, 7,000, 7,447 Athens athletes, I'm assuming you're saying signed. Um, that doesn't surprise me. I see a lot with Barstool. I, I see, a, and that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Barstool is kind of like the, the new Bleacher Report. Like, I remember... 10 years and it's much bigger than bleacher report ever was, but like 10 years ago, bleacher report was huge. And, um, you know, it, I, it doesn't surprise me at all. Barstool has, and I'm sure they're, they're probably benefiting from it or they wouldn't be signing 7,000, almost 7,500 deals. There's no question about it. Kevin says, um, you know, I agree with you hundred percent. I'm just waiting for Kirk Ferentz's replacement at this point, hoping for Hawks to do well, but not holding that breath. That's a balanced approach. But like anybody who thinks I'm just going to go on here and spew nonsense as a Hawkeye fan, you're, you're listening to the wrong show. And if you don't like the show, you don't have to listen. But I'm not going to come on here and just tell you what you want to hear and give you a false hope when I don't believe there is a hope. I don't believe there's a legitimate reason to believe that Brian Ferentz is qualified to be the quarterback's coach. I hope that Brian Ferentz is tremendous. I hope that he can figure out how to get that quarterback room in shape. Right now, it's one of the least productive rooms, quarterback rooms in the country not just the Big Ten, but in the country. They refuse to go to the portal. They refuse to hire a quarterback's coach or a passing game coordinator who's experienced, like a Randy Hedberg, who um, was certainly interested in the job. And they hired a guy who's never played quarterback and never coached quarterback. He's never done either. So, you know, that's what I'll say about it. And uh, I've, I've talked about it at length. I'm sure we'll talk about it more. And did the coaching move, did it come with a pay raise? Uh, that has not been disclosed. That's a great question, Jakob, because I don't know the, the details of uh, the hire with um, with Iowa's new tight ends coach. Um, because, again, you have 650000 going to, to Ken O'Keefe prior to his resignation. I mean, you're, you're, you're not going to pay a tight ends coach six fifty, okay? And especially Abdul Hodge, who's never coached tight ends. Not saying he can't succeed. Don't read into it. But you're not gonna you're not gonna pay him six hundred fifty thousand dollars to coach a position at Iowa he's never coached before and a, a position that's probably towards the the bottom of the totem pole as far as offensive offensive um, personnel coaching positions. Um, so yeah, I, again, I'm not I'm I'm critical of it, um, 
but you, you, as a fan, and I am a fan, I'm a fan at heart. I'm a talking head. I try to be balanced on here. I never claim to be part of the media. I'm not part of the the Iowa media, although I cover local news here in, in the Ames area. Uh, I do not cover Iowa, the Iowa beat, um, but I try to be as balanced and I just try to tell things like it is. And, and that's what I said when I, when I started this project, I started this podcast like I started this podcast like eight years ago. I've been doing this for a long time, but it was only the past year that I've really started to try to build it. And I just kind of did it as a, as a hobby and uh, appreciate everybody supporting it over the past year. And it's helped it to, uh, to grow. I think we're a little over 1100 subscribers now. So appreciate everybody listening. And if you want to be critical of me, you have every right to be, if you're going to get nasty, I'll block you. But other than that, you have every right to, uh, to be critical. And yes, Kelly, I know Abdul Hodge played linebacker. Doesn't mean it can't work. Somebody brought that up to me or, uh, the other day. LeVar Woods played linebacker. He coached tight ends for a few years here. I get it. He also, LeVar Woods had coached a couple other positions before he got moved to tight ends coach. But I wish the best for Abdul Hodge. I know nothing but good. I've heard nothing but good things about Abdul. I've met him once. Seemed like a really great guy. I wish him all the best. Ari Gold says Chuck Long should be the quarterback coach, right? Um, and Kelly says the same thing. I, uh, I don't think Chuck Long's coming here to coach anytime soon. Um, and I would say that, that Randy Hedberg would have been my candidate. And I've said that very, I've said that very outspokenly. I think Randy Hedberg from North Dakota state absolutely should have been the guy. That's just my opinion. Uh, the real Hayden says university of Iowa turning linemen into quarterback coaches since 2022. Um, the uh, Ray says Ferentz has some sort of money scheme going on with his son. Millions a year isn't enough for them. And Yakov, this is a great question. Why did Iowa bring in a tight end transfer? Seems to be a solid position already. Now, depth, I mean, it helps you because they did lose their third tight end in Josiah Miam, and they get Elijah Yelverton back, at least for now. We'll see if he stays at Iowa. Of course, people are going to hop in the portal after the spring. I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, the transfer from, from Lafayette, Steven Stilianos, I think you got to be hopefully optimistic. He was recruited by some some pretty respected respected programs uh, across the country, including, you know, Virginia and Syracuse and Rutgers. I know you might not respect Rutgers as a football program, but those are power five offers. Um, but he provides depth. And, um, you know, certainly once Laporta leaves, he's got two years of eligibility. But you're right. It doesn't help. Them. It doesn't like it does not move the needle offensively for Iowa at all. He is a former quarterback. Anybody was wondering that he is a former quarterback. So they'll have another quarterback on the roster. You know, Joe Evans is a former quarterback. Um, they'll have uh, in a year, they'll have Alex Moda, uh, Cedar Rapids, Marion, um, well, receiver, but he's actually playing quarterback until this coming year. So uh, he'll have some former quarterbacks on the roster, but certainly, uh, certainly provides some good depth. Kevin agrees with the Randy Hedberg assessment. Kelly. Hodge played linebacker and is coaching the Brian Ferentz coach quarter, coaching quarterbacks, but never played the position. It's ridiculous. Right. You're right. Um, but Hodge, just to clear this up, Kelly, Hodge is coaching tight ends. Hodge is coaching tight ends. So as far as I'm aware, Abdul Hodge has never played tight end. Unless he played in high school, maybe he did. Um, but he, he never played at this level and uh, has never coached at this level. Maybe he coached tight ends briefly in high school. As a high school coach, I'm not aware of that, um, but I can tell you that uh, uh, he, you know he's never he's never coached it before. That doesn't mean he can't succeed. But I think court, quarterback is a totally different animal. It's the most important position coach on the football field. We know that, 
and um abdul hodge is uh, you know at least a really high character guy and i think he's qualified to be on the staff we'll see if it works out at tight end but the the, the fact of the matter is iowa had options at, at the quarterback coach position and i'm just disappointed i'm, I'm disappointed in kirk ferentz you know and i i don't necessarily think kirk ferentz is listening to this show but um, I have a lot of respect for Kirk, and I, and I lost a little bit of respect for Kirk. Not saying I don't respect the guy now. I said I lost a little respect. I was disappointed in the move to make your son, who has struggled mightily as the offensive coordinator for like four, four or five years now. I mean, he's not just struggled. It's been it's been a really terrible experiment as, as it relates to, to results on the football field on offense. There's no question about it. Um so yeah, I, I I am disappointed in Kirk. Doesn't mean I've lost all respect for him, but um, it's all or nothing now. Like if Brian Ferentz comes in here this next year and and it's not substantially better, he's got to move on. He's got to move on. It's it's just at some point the program has to be put ahead of family, and it doesn't mean you're just gonna make Brian homeless. I mean he's made he's made millions of dollars here, folks. But at some point, you have to say, look, the program is Kirk Ferentz. If, if I'm Kirk Ferentz, I have to look at the program and say, look, it's given me a lot. I have to do what's best for the program. And right now, Brian is not what's best for the program. And I think Brian recognized, I mean, he'll, he's no dummy. Brian's a smart, they're both smart individuals. Um, let's hope that Brian can figure things out here as quarterback's coach. I'm just not hopeful about it. Dear MVP, am I going to do a women's top 25 that actually makes sense? Absolutely not. I'm going to leave that for you, Dear MVP, because. I would be not. I would be far from qualified. I'm barely qualified to do it for for college basketball. I, I watch a lot of college bas- basketball. I think I understand how the polls work. Unfortunately, even though I don't agree with how they work, and I'm talking about the AP poll and the coaches poll, but no, I'm not going to do a women. I'll do one more men's top twenty five that actually makes sense. Um, well, let's see. We'll actually do two more. So we'll do this one, and we'll likely do one the following Monday. I hadn't decided yet on that one because we'll be full bracket talk by then. You have to decide that because, yeah, the, the bracket will be out. I may just do this one more because uh, we'll have the bracket a week from Monday. Um, but appreciate appreciate you following the the uh, top 25 throughout the uh, throughout the year. Tipsy says, who was quarterback's coach before? O'Keefe. That, of course, would have been Greg Davis. And everyone's going to knock Greg Davis for the horizontal passing game and nothing down the field. C.J. Beathard was pretty productive in 2015, and that was Greg Davis. So... You know, I, I I guess what I would say to that is anybody who wants to knock Greg Davis, you have not seen better results on the field than what Greg Davis presented. And and that's a that's a sore subject because people did not like Greg, but it has not gotten any better. There's it's gone in the opposite direction with with Brian Ferentz. That's just a fact. Look at the numbers. Um, the real Hayden says, I'm sure Brian Ferentz had to protect a lot of QBs and pass per. I'm sure he can coach check notes quarterbacks. I'm not saying he knows absolutely nothing. He's got to know something, right? He's been coaching the offense. But when I say he doesn't know, he doesn't know much about quarterbacks. I mean, I I can admit to my, I know less about quarterback, far less about quarterbacks than Brian Ferentz ever does. But just because he knows more than me doesn't mean he's qualified to be Iowa's quarterbacks coach. Like I love when people try to spin it around and say, well, you don't, you wouldn't know how to coach quarterbacks. How can you say he doesn't? Like, I don't need to be an expert to know someone else isn't an expert. Like I can know nothing about a subject and acknowledge that someone else doesn't know anything about a subject either. You know, like, like if I was watching curling in the Olympics and I'm sitting next to someone who's watching curling, like I know nothing about curling, 
but I can observe the person next to me and realize this guy doesn't know Jack about curling either. <laughs> you know, like, so the same thing as it applies to quarter, the quarterback position. I, I just don't know what you see on Brian Ferentz's resume that, that says he's qualified to coach quarterbacks. I, I just don't know. I, I'd love to know. Uh, hopefully we get an explanation from, uh, from Kirk Ferentz at some point. All right. Um, Ray says, are the men a five, six, seven, or an eight seed right now? That's up for debate. Um, I have not seen five from anybody. I've seen a lot of six seed. Uh, I think Joe Lenardi's got Iowa as a six. Um, I think Jerry Palm's got Iowa as a nine. Let me look real quick here. Yeah, Tim Kruger of Stadium. I think he's got Iowa as a six. I, I tweeted that as a low six. Tweeted that out, out earlier today. And um, so I, I think it's up for debate because the metrics are weird with the net having Iowa really high and the RPI having Iowa low and just two quad one wins. But you win on Sunday against Illinois and you at least win a game of the Big Ten tournament. I think Iowa's a lock for a six or better. And boy, if you could get to that five line, that would be huge. Ari Gold said if, if Iowa's a five, I think they choke. I, let's hope not. But, you know, I, let's hope that's not the case. Jim says... Brian played O-line. We produced great O-line players when Brian coached them. That's what Brian should do. No problem with that th- with that stance, Jim. I think it's a, a fine stance. Let's remember he did very well at tight end, at the tight end uh, coaching position at New England, at least for the one year. Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez broke records. That was a great year. I have no problem with Brian Ferentz being on staff. I have a problem with Brian Ferentz being the offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. That's all. What did I think of Nebraska's basketball arena? Okay, we're circling back to the whole purpose of this show, which is women's basketball. Of course, I went to the men's game, but that arena, Pinnacle Bank Arena in Lincoln, is absolutely stellar. They have done a tremendous job. It's good to see Fred Hoiberg. I'm not a huge Hoiberg fan or a Nebraska fan, but I felt sorry for Fred and how much they've struggled this year with him and struggled since he's gotten there. It was nice to see Nebraska have some success. They've beaten Penn State and uh, Ohio State back-to-back, and all of a sudden, Nebraska looks like a team you want to avoid the Big Ten tournament. Um, so I'm happy for Fred. I, you know, It's good to, to know he's got a, another year to turn things around, and I hope he's able to do that. Darrell Hayden says, I was using the logic that some people saying Hodge had to cover a lot of tight ends and coverage, therefore he can coach them. I couldn't disagree with that more. And, and you know, I don't know that for certain either, Hayden. Perhaps there's some substance to that. Um, I had a conversation with Coach Patterson about that very topic and just asked him, you know, do you, it, would you have faith in a guy who's never coached a position, even though he's played against the position? And, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to divulge exactly what Coach P said, but uh, I think we're both, I think I can speak for Coach Patterson in, in, in that we both agree Abdul Hodge is a, a really good person. And I think there's a, a good chance he's going to succeed at Iowa. Maybe the long-term future isn't at that position, but it's it's good to have him on the staff. He is a good human being and, and I think a, a qualified guy to be at this. He did, did come from South Dakota, so it's not like he was at the high school level. He was at an FCS program coaching a position. So um, that's positive. All right, folks. Um, I went a lot longer on this show than I planned to. I'm sorry that we, for, for those Iowa basketball fans who, uh, let me, let me address this real quick. Clay says what, what Kirk did is on a dangerous level of arrogance. You have the right to that, that stance. I see, I can see where you're coming from. Not saying I agree completely that it's a dangerous level of arrogance, but certainly 
I can certainly see where you're coming from. Um, Kelly, last question. Can Caitlin Clark be the national player of the year? Um, I, I, the girl from South Carolina, what's her name? Um, I forget it at the time at the moment, but, uh, I think she's probably going to win it. Unfortunately, I think Caitlin Clark should win it because she, I think she's, as far as MVP, she is the most valuable player to any team, in my opinion. And I, I am biased, but I think she's got a chance. Certainly she should be big 10 player of the year. It's not, it shouldn't be Naz Hillman. I mean, you go down the list. It should be Caitlin Clark. Um, she's going to win a national player of the year, Kelly. If it's not this year, it'll be next year or the year after that. Okay. They will, she will win a, a, a national player of the year at some point. So uh, that, that is a, that is something I think we can, we can uh, put our faith in. And again, what, what a great story to have Caitlin Clark here and, and this team playing well at the right time and the men playing well at the right time. Appreciate this. Ari gold. He says, love you, Corey. Go Hawks. Appreciate it. Love all of our listeners. Appreciate everybody tuning in here this afternoon or this evening. This podcast, if you're new to the show, all of our podcasts, all of our post-game shows are available at the From the Hawkeye of the Storm podcast platform of your choice. So Spotify, Apple, Google, Anchor, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can search that on the bottom ticker there. From the Hawkeye of the Storm, listen to our our podcast. If you want to make a donation to the show, um, you certainly can do that. You can also do Super Chats. Now we've got that unlocked here, available for people to do Super Chats, but... Um, I'll, I'll just give you a forewarning super chats. YouTube does take a small cut. So if, preferably if you're going to make a donation, which again, is not an obligation of yours, but is much appreciated, please do so through, um, the description below. So if you look at the description below, there's a little link to donate, please follow the steps there to donate. And, uh, it's always appreciated. So I am not going to be live tomorrow. Um, but I will be back Sunday live with coach close. So I'm going to try my best. I've got a family dinner tomorrow night. Got a family dinner tomorrow night during the Iowa women's basketball game. Okay. I told my wife we're going to do, this is a conversation I had back in February. She wanted to do a family dinner on a weekend. And I said, of course, we got the big 10 tournament for the men. We've got the NCAA tournament. I don't know what they're going to play on a Friday, Sunday or Thursday, you know, Saturday. I'm sure everybody on here has ran into that, (laughs) that scheduling uh, issue. So what I said is let's do it on the weekend of, you know, the second through or the fourth through the the, uh, sixth. And so it just happened to fall on the fifth. The Iowa women are playing. I hate to miss them, but uh, I will do my best to stay out on top of the game and and watch it remotely. But I just will not be able to do a live show. And so um, I'll try to upload a a postgame recap um, later that evening. And it'll be right here on YouTube as well as on our podcast platforms. And good. thank you for joining us as well, Bob. Appreciate the comment. And thank you, Kelly. First of many listens for me. Appreciate you being here and appreciate all the respect and the good comment, commentary this evening. And for the, was it uh, Jermaine that, that knocked the Dallas Cowboys shirt earlier? Jermaine, I am not a Cowboys fan. I'll make that clear. This is a shirt. I got some family down in the, the Arlington area. It was gifted to me. So if, you're, if you're an Eagles fan, Redskins fan, please don't shoot the messenger. I'm just the messenger here. I'm just wearing the shirt that I was gifted. So, uh, but again, appreciate everybody tuning in and we will talk to you tomorrow, folks. Go Hawks. Get quick update before we go off. Quick update on the Iowa women, or excuse me, the Nebraska Michigan women, 36, 32 Michigan leading at halftime. They will play the winner of that game. will play the Hawkeyes tomorrow evening, tomorrow evening, 7 PM, 7 PM on BTN for a spot in the big 10 tournament. 
championship. We will talk to you soon. Go Hawks.